Hey. Nice. Very good. I look what? I look red. Yes, I am wearing red. Okay. If you have your Bible, turn your Bible to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be looking at Exodus 3 and 4 today, looking a little bit at the life of Moses. Moses. Our theme for today, this last day that I want to talk about, riding for the, the brand. This morning we're going to be talking about if we're going to ride for the brand, we're going to have to squash some excuses. There are a lot of you here to, this morning, today, you're here this week, you love God, you want to serve God, but maybe there's some things in your mind that you're saying, I want to do this, but this is the reason I can't. And this morning I want us to deal with the hearts of people here today, this morning, who you love God, you want to serve, and you have a heart for people, you have a heart for God, but, but maybe there's still some excuses, things that you're saying, I want to, I could, but I can't because of this or this or this. So this morning, if we're going to ride for the brand, a couple of days ago in the morning we talked about we're going to have to get over some cultural stuff. This morning I want to talk about squashing some excuses, but our theme for both this morning and this evening that I want to stick in your mind is just letting God be God in our lives. If we're going to ride for the brand, if we're going to live for Christ, at some point we've got to decide who's going to be Lord and letting God be God. Moses, one of the great men of the Bible, truly one of the great men of the Bible is Moses. Moses, God used Moses in great ways for himself. It is said of Moses in Exodus 33 that God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his, you know, friend. God and Moses had a relationship in such a way that the Bible said, God and Moses spoke face to face as a man speaks to his friend. That's awesome. When Moses died, it was said of him in Deuteronomy 34 that there was no other prophet like him. He was the goat. He had no peers. He was the best, the greatest. That was Moses. His faith is chronicled. It's written about as an example for all to follow in that chapter of the Bible that we call the Hall of Faith. What is that one? Hebrews 11. That's exactly right. Moses truly is one of the great men of the Bible, the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, the greatest. But he had to deal with some excuses when God called him to serve. Moses didn't just voluntarily say, I want to serve you, God. When God called Moses, Moses had some excuses of his own. And in a conversation between Moses and God in Exodus 3 and 4, we see five excuses that Moses threw up to God when God called Moses and Moses had, God, Moses puts these out there and God has to say, you need to get rid of that excuse because it's not really a good excuse at all. What are those excuses? We're going to work through them quickly. I want you to look in Exodus 3 just to give you a little background before we get into the first excuse. So we know that Moses grew up for the first 40 years of his life. He grew up in Egypt. He grew up in the palace of Egypt. When he was 40 years old, 
He commits the crime of killing an Egyptian slave master who's beating a Hebrew man. So he leaves Egypt and goes and gets married, lives in the desert for the next 40 years and becomes a shepherd. While he's a shepherd, while he's tending his father-in-law's sheep one day, God, the angel of God, probably Jesus Christ, enters into a bush, the bush is burning, remember? But it doesn't, it's not burned up. There's a flame, but it doesn't burn. And God called, Moses sees this burning bush, but it's not, it's not burning away. So he goes and draws near, he gets close, and God says to Moses, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. So we know it was God, because it's holy there. The, whole, the presence of God's there, right? So Moses draws close, and, and God starts to talk to Moses. Look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, their slaves in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of, the, out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Here we go. Verse 10. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Here is the call of God to Moses right here. This is God's call. Is there anything confusing about this call to to? between God and Moses. God makes it perfectly clear. Right now, Moses knows exactly what God's will for his life is. Oh, that it would be that clear for all of us, where God just come down, jump in a bush and say, this is exactly what I want you. Go to, <laughs> go to chemistry now. That's what, that's what God does to Moses. He gives him the words. He calls him. Go to Egypt. Rescue my, my people. And then here we say this, what, and Moses, verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now Moses is going to have five excuses, and it's interesting, some, the, the talk between, back and forth between Moses and God, sometimes it doesn't seem like it matches because Moses says something and then God gives a quick reply and it almost doesn't seem like the reply matches Moses' excuse. Why is that? Because the things that Moses is saying, God knows what's really in his heart. And so God's answering the excuse and the question in his heart. So sometimes it looks, why does God say it that way? So here, in the, the first excuse, what's the first excuse? The first excuse, Moses says to God, who am I? What did Moses mean? Well, look, at God, look what God says to Moses. God says what? I will be with you. Based on God's answer to Moses, what is God saying? Because God is addressing, God is speaking to the real excuse Moses says, who am I? God says, I will be with you. What's Moses' real excuse? And and the truth is, Moses has a point. In reality, he's been 40 years in the desert. What's Moses' real excuse when he says, who am I? I believe Moses' real excuse is, I am not qualified. Or simply, I can't. And Moses had a point. 
Young people, do you feel like God has asked you to do something? Do you feel like God is laying something on your heart, some way of service that you need to be of service to God? And, and you know, this wouldn't normally be in my heart, but so it must be from God because God wants me to serve him this way. I have a burden for this person doing this thing. But in your heart, you're saying, I'm not qualified. I can't do that. Remember this, God is not concerned with the, my ability, but with my availability when he calls me. Why? Why? Here God says, I will be with you. Why? Because God never asks you to go alone. Guys, if God asks you to do something, he never asks you to go alone. God does not call you to that which would not require his presence in the first place. God will never ask you to do something and he'll just say, go ahead, we'll see how it works out. He will go with you. 2 Corinthians 3.5 says it this way, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency, our qualification, our ability is of God. God will never ask you to do something in which he will not go with you. So if he's burdening you, he's telling you, and you feel it in your heart that this is what God wants me to do, God is saying, do this, and I want to go with you. That's good news. That was Moses' first excuse. What's his second excuse? We jump down to verse 13. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of our fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? Well, what should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered through all generations. What's Moses' second excuse? Common day language, he says what? What's your name? Or, I don't know your name. What did Moses mean when he's saying this? God appears through this burning bush, and Moses says, if I go there, what am I supposed to tell him your name is? I don't know your name. And we look at God's reply. What is God's reply? God's reply, tell him I am that I am has sent you. God said to Moses, what does that I am that I am mean? Tell him the self-existent, self-sustaining, not needing anything one, the one who does not rely on humanity to exist or anything in this universe to exist. Tell him that's the one that sent you. And then God gives Moses a history lesson to explain this is who is sending you. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses is like, gotcha. For every Jewish person, this is all you got to say. It's the God who called Abraham. It's the God who called Isaac. It's the God who called Jacob. So what is Moses really saying when he says, I don't know your, na- I don't know your name, God? I think he's really saying, I don't know enough about God to do the things that God is asking me to do. I don't know enough. I don't know enough about you to do what, I, I understand what you want me to do, God, but I don't know enough about you to do that. Have you ever felt that you wanted to do something for the Lord or that God wants you to do something specific, but you just don't think you know enough? 
to do what God's asking you to do. You ever feel that way? Remember this. God is not concerned with your knowledge when he calls you. Why? Why? Because he will help you to know what you need to know when you need to know it. If we could do it on our own, I wouldn't need God's call. If we knew everything, we wouldn't rely on God. Isn't that where humanity is right now? We think we know everything, and so there's no need for God in society anymore. That was Moses' second excuse. What is his third excuse? We jump down to chapter 4, verse 1. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to read a little bit here because it gets interesting and what God shows to Moses. Then Moses, in verse 1, chapter 4, then Moses answered, but behold... They will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And, the, and then Moses ran from it because Moses is smart. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand, caught it, and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses puts his hands inside the cloak. And when he took it out, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even the two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile, pour it dry ground, and the water that you take from the Nile will become blood on dry ground. What is Moses' third excuse? He says his words were what? They won't believe me. Okay, I understand what you want me to do. You put it on my heart. I'm clear. They're not going to believe me. What is he really saying? Well, we look at God's reply again. We see what Moses said, and then we see how God replies. What was God's reply? God didn't spend a lot of time trying to convince Moses. What did he, with words, what did he do? He did miracles. Why did God do miracles right there in front of Moses? Moses says, they're not going to believe me. God does miracles in front of Moses. Why? Because the real Thing that's going on here because although he had been mainly truly concerned about what the Israelites would believe or not believe when he says, God sent me to you, who really didn't believe? Moses himself. So that excuse there, they won't believe me, really comes down to, I don't believe you. What's, what's the bottom line of this excuse? I really believe What's really going on here? I really believe the bottom line of this excuse is Moses was simply afraid. Have you ever known, believed that God wants you to do something that you're just flat out scared? Can I let the cat out of the bag a little bit? Every time I stand up to do this, I am scared to death. Scared to death. You've probably got some, you've been around me enough in my preaching style that there's, there's some patterns going on. I tend to speak fast. I get kind of energetic. That's all nervous fear. That's all. 
I'm scared to death. It doesn't change. I've been doing this for 20 years now. I, I, I pastor a church in Bangkok. I've been, I started that church with my friend. I'm still scared to death every time I stand up. If you look at my notes, I, call, I do what's called scripting, where I write absolutely everything out. I do that because I'm scared. To this day, I, I'm scared that I'm going to stand up, and, and if I don't wet my pants, just be like, <laughs> and, and not know what to say. So I have words in, on paper in case I don't know what to say. Thank God it's never happened yet. I'm scared to death. And when we're dealing with issues of heaven and hell and, and eternity, what, who, if you're not afraid, what's going on? I fear, I fear, I'm scared to death for souls that are fighting the goodness of God because if they reject it completely, if hell is real, they're going there. That scares me. You ever feel afraid? Join the club. It's scary to preach. It's scary witnessing. It's scary telling those you love you need Christ and if you don't accept him, you will receive the punishment for your sin in hell. Remember this if you feel afraid. God is not concerned with your fear when he calls you. Why? That's not, that doesn't mean, I'm not saying that to be mean. But the, the reality is, the bottom line is, you guys, there's always nervousness. There's always fear when we're dealing with the heart issues of man. That never goes away. If you're going to do something for God, something that lasts for eternity, there's always going to be fear involved, no matter how long you do it. Quite frankly, fear can be a good thing, can it? The right kind of fear channeled the right way for you who are athletes, having a little bit of nervousness before the game does what? It heightens the senses. It gets you going. It, it makes you prepare better than if you know, I'm walking out of this team and we're going to wipe the floor with them. But when you're a little afraid, you got to rely on other things, not just what you've done in the past. And fear can be good because it puts us back on our knees praying and relying on God in whom we need to rely on in the first place. Moses needed to deal with his own fear. Then we keep going. We keep going. His is not done yet because he's got another excuse going on here. Verses 10 through 12. What's Moses' next excuse? But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. What's that fourth excuse, you guys? That fourth excuse. Moses' words in my, in, in my ESV says, I am not eloquent. This is pretty easy to come up with because Moses, what's it, what, what is he saying? I can't what? I can't speak. I can't talk. I know what you want me to do, God. I know. I've listened to your voice. I've heard it. For us, this, I have that burden. I get what you want me to do. I just simply can't. I'm not good at that. I'm not a good speaker. And this is where we see 
this excuse and the next excuse, we see a change and a turn in the direction of Moses' excuses because this excuse right here, was it even true? I believe the answer to this, Moses isn't even telling the truth. Where did Moses grow up? He grew up in the palace of Egypt. If you're going to grow up in a good place where you're going to have the possibility to have the best possible education in a country, where might that be? The, the palace of the king. He was being, as a son of a princess, he's being prepared for someday, to, if not to be the king of Egypt, to have a royal position where he will have to go to royal ceremonies and he'll have to speak. There would have been a different language that would have been different from any the regular Egyptian language. It would have been court language. He would have known all that. He would have been educated from that from the time he was a little boy till he graduated because someday he's going to have to give, stand up and give those very same speeches. To further emphasize this point, when he says, I'm not really good, maybe I stutter a little bit, Acts, 20, excuse me, Acts 7.22 is Moses, what he's saying to God right here, even a legit excuse? Acts 7.22 says it this way. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He had all the education available that those other people didn't have. And he was mighty in words and deeds. So he says, I can't talk. That's not even true. This was just truly an excuse. The first three excuses, they may have had some legitimacy to them because Moses has just spent the last 40 years in the wilderness. They may have been legit. Now we're not even legit anymore. It's just an excuse. I marvel at when people, when people say, I could never do what you do. I could never stand up and talk and preach or teach the Bible in front of a big group of people. I could never do this but they're like managers of big companies where they have to manage 50, 60 people. And they have to talk to those people and try to solve problems as if that's not what pastoring is. I could never, I'm not smart enough to do that. And one particular friend, I could never do what you do, Nathan. I'm not smart enough to do that. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a nurse and his full-time job is... He's on the life flight helicopter on the emergency unit. But he could never do what we... Come on. So this is just an excuse. So what do we need to remember? God is not, God is not concerned with my ability when he calls me. Based on what we just read in these verses, why is God not concerned with your ability when he calls you? The very next verse says, Moses, who made your mouth? <laughs> if God is laying something on your heart, if God is calling you to do something, he's already given you the ability to do it. He's the one who made you. God does not call us to do something that we could never, ever do. And quite frankly, if you're waiting for the call of God or something like this, remember this. It doesn't take the call of God for, to do something that we can do on our own. 
We don't need the call of God. Hey, buddy, it's 7.30, time to wake up. We can do that on our own. But anything that's going to be of God, you guys, if God has burdened you with it, he's already given you the ability to do it. And if you say, I can't, it's just an excuse. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24 says, He who calls you is faithful, and he'll do it. He'll do it through you. If he asks you to speak and you say, I can't, God's going to come back and say, Who made your mouth, dude? I knew what I was doing. If he asks you to teach, who gave you the wisdom? Who gave you the knowledge? I did. Use it for me. That's his fourth excuse. And then we come to the fifth excuse. What's that fifth excuse? We, see, we start in verse 13. What's Moses' fifth excuse? We start in verse 13 and we see it this way. But he said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levi? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He will speak for you to the people. He shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you will do signs. What's Moses' fifth excuse? He says what? His, own, his words, quote, send someone else. This isn't even an excuse anymore, is it? What is Moses saying? I don't want to. This is the heart of the matter. Moses just didn't want to obey God. Everything else to this point, the first four conversations that go back and forth between God and Moses, everything else to this point has been excuses for the fact that Moses simply has no desire to obey God. Done. Period. And what was God's response as we read? There's sort of two different responses. The first response, God was angered. <laughs> How should God feel toward us when we simply don't want to obey. We like to think of God as this big loving teddy bear, as if that's all he is. And he's more. The second response that God gives to Moses and Moses is, I just don't want to, was what? God sent Aaron along. I don't know whether Aaron was part of the original plan or not. I kind of wonder if the real original team that God intended to go to Egypt, their first original team was God and Moses. 
But because Moses simply just doesn't want to do it, God says, okay, I'll send your brother with you. That's the case. What a shame. Because of Moses' hard heart, this becomes a team of three instead of a team of two. What does it come down to? Here's what it comes down to. God is simply concerned with my heart, my willingness when he calls me. If we would just be willing, he will absolutely do everything else if we're just willing Moses had to work through some excuses, and God has to squash these excuses and deal with Moses' heart. Remember how we started a moment ago talking about the greatness of Moses? Remember that? He's the one who led the children of Israel out of Egypt, right? The greatest prophet in the Old Testament, He spoke to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Deuteronomy 34 said there was no one like him. Where did that start? It starts, that starting place was God calling Moses and Moses throwing up every excuse out there. The Israelites exit from Egypt to the land of Canaan is the fruit of Moses' obedience. Joshua becoming a great leader, being prepared for the task of the, leading the people into the promised land and conquer the enemy in that promised land is the fruit of Moses' leadership. The fact that God did not destroy the children of Israel in the desert for worshiping idols and turning away from God is the fruit of Moses' leadership. Do you remember what God wanted to do when the children of Israel disobeyed God and, and, and started worshiping idols in the wilderness? God says to Moses, I'm going to destroy all these people and I'm going to start with you. I'm going to start over. And Moses pleads with God, don't do it. And God says, because of you, I won't. That was because of Moses. Truly, Moses' life is this life that's full of awesome events, unbelievable blessings, miracles, greatness, being the goat of the prophets. But there was a day in Moses' life, there was a day in Moses' life when Moses was willing to give all that up so that he could be a shepherd in the wilderness. Why? Because he didn't know what God had out in front of him. He just saw what was right here and said, I can't do any of that. And I frankly don't want to. Excuses. We have no idea what lays ahead, what God might be willing to do for us until we get rid of those excuses and walk the path. And you might be shocked what God might be willing to do through you, just like what he did through Moses. A guy, Moses, at this time in his life, a guy who was 80 years old when God called him. All these things happen after Moses is 80. You guys, are you making excuses for what you know God wants you to do? Has God burdened your heart? Has God 
put you on a course and you say, I know this is what God wants, maybe it's time to take care of some excuses and simply just let God be God in your life. Lord, help us to be the people you want us to be. Deal with hearts even right now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.